Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer Richard Carrington about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene Magazine, who have very kindly launched an indie comics hub on their website. It includes titles such as Brawler from Time Bomb Comics and my very own Project Hoax from Signal Comics. You can also pre-order John Wagner's Rock the God, the 77 and Comic Scene State of Independence Yearbook 2020. If that tickles your fancy, be sure to check it out at comicscene.org where you can find many more titles. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Richard Carrington. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, you? Yeah, not bad. Uh, we were just saying kind of before before we uh, started that, uh, yeah, we, we are in a semi-apocalypse at the moment, aren't we? Um, and yeah, absolutely, I should really absolutely. think about adding Very, uh, adding the pandemic to the list of, of possible options. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess yeah. the problem is that people are actually living that out, so they would have kind of some legitimate action plans <laughs> in place. Yeah. On the plus side, there's more time to read comics, though, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's, there's always a silver lining, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Really yeah, man. Uh, well, um, Firstly, uh, thanks for, for for coming on to the show. Uh, it's a real pleasure, and, and you're actually a, a bit of a, a listener to the show as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah, big fan. It's just I, I don't know that many people who, who read comics, so for me, it's always nice to just hear people talking comics. You know, you don't get to have that many conversations in real life with with people. So, any any comics talk is good with me. Fantastic, man. Uh, now, anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Uh, we, I, I write mainly for uh, Hardline Comics. Uh, the, the comic that we're working on mainly at the moment is Mahoney's. Um, we Fantastic. just kick-started issue three. Yeah, yeah. cheers, man. Um, on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So issue three is going to print this week, actually. We just had a Kickstarter in the middle of this pandemic, which perhaps wasn't great timing, but we stuck with it. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it seems to be going strength to strength. And, you know, people like the book. It's, it's sort of a lighthearted um, comedy. So, yeah, myself and Brian Dawson, who's the artist, um, that's, that's sort of what we're working on at the minute. Fantastic. And kind of just to give the listeners a bit of a... Uh, a synopsis of uh, of what Mahoney's is about. Uh, how how do you best describe it? Uh, simply put, I guess a, a lot of people compare it to the old sitcom Cheers, but it's it's yeah. effectively setting a bar for supervillains. Yeah. Um, so it's part sitcom, part sort of um, Mickey take of, of superheroes, really. But the the villains are the focus of the piece. But uh, yeah, it's a good sort of light hearted comic. With the villains as the focus, as I say. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. And the the kind of the, your strap line is uh, Mahoney's, where nobody knows your name. Isn't yeah, that's right. There's only a few rules at the bar, and you're not allowed your your real identities, and you know, all super villains. And so it's 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 nice to sort of play in that in that sandpit of superheroes, but without pursuing. Superheroes is into death, I guess. So it's nice to sort of take those superhero tropes and twist them a little bit. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, always, always fun and games, isn't it? Um, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all, all, all of that aside, um, where can people find you online? Um, there's a Facebook group. I guess it's Hardline Comics or Mahoney's. Uh, there's Facebook groups. Uh, my Twitter is, I've had to write it down because I'm useless, at richcarty100. Uh, and then we've got a website, which is hardlinecomics.com. But then if you've got a comic house, and if you haven't, you should. Um, all the hardline comics are on there to read anyway. Yeah, and you're doing all right in the charts, I believe, aren't you? Yeah, I have been. Both issues have, have, have gone 
uh, to number one, which was really good and stayed there for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I love Comic House anyway, but um, yeah. it's a nice it's a nice platform to get a, a, a few fresh eyes. I've got quite a few backers from the Kickstarter who's found us from Comic House. So, oh, great. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic app. And, you know, anybody that isn't aware of Comic House, search for Comic House and it's uh, Comic House spelled H-A-U-S as in the German spelling. Um, and they do a 14-day trial and at the moment they do like a further month, don't they, uh, with the with the discount yeah. code Stay Safe, I think. So you can basically get six yeah, weeks of free indie comics, which is epic, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It's incredible. Um, so, yeah, definitely get on that if you're not already. Uh, now, having said that, um, I do have some uh, bad news for you, and that is that robots have taken over society. It's not a virus anymore. <laughs> um, it's it's yeah. come about as a, as a super intelligent uh, robot takeover. So my uh, first question for you is what is your action plan for survival? Well, I gave, I gave a little bit of thought to this and thought, sort of, how would I go about taking the robots down? And You know, as a, a lifelong comics reader, you come up with all these scenarios. But I think the more I thought about it, honestly, I don't think I would. I think I'd just surrender. I'd surrender yeah. to my robotic overlords because I think humanity have done a pretty good job of, you know, screwing things up. It's maybe <laughs> just a little chance to let somebody else have a go so honestly i don't think i would survive i'd sort of put, put my hands up i didn't need any human slaves you know I'm, I'm up for that but maybe you know it's a bit pessimistic i know but just let let the robots take over they can't do a worse job than we have so uh, let's get on with it <laughs> just lean into it and then just basically just kind lean of... into it, see what happens yeah and try and kind of get them on your side a little bit like play into yeah, robot yeah. society. Yeah, just serve them, you know, some oil. I don't know, whatever robots. Where would you, where would you see yourself in, ending up in, in, in a robot society? Uh, very much a sort of um, a butler sort of role, um, dressed right. up in sort of penguin suit and everything like that, just sort of whatever my robotic masters need. They just ring a little bell and Rich comes running. Just anything Brilliant. to keep me busy, you know. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, one one evening whilst you're serving your uh, your robot master, um, he's he's intrigued by kind of human history and things, and <clears throat> wants to discover more about uh, one of your interests, which is comics. And the uh, yeah. and the first question he asks you as you as you hand over a, uh, a nice champagne flute of oil. Uh, to to yeah. the robot is uh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Uh, the first comic I remember enjoying was well, it was pretty much the first comic I read. It sort of I don't know when comics got its claws into my early doors, mm-hmm. and it was an issue of um, the old Spider-Man UK Weekly, um, and it was um, dated. I've, I've managed to find the cover online because. All my comics are back home in the dad's attic still. And it was dated March 1983, so I'd have been five coming up uh, six. And I right. remember really vividly, uh, my mum and dad wanted to buy me some sandals. Do you remember the old crappy sort of school sandals? Oh, yeah. You know, with yeah. the, the sort of leather strap and you've got to wear, oh, ridiculous. I know the exact ones. So I'd have yeah. been five. <laughs> And they, I, I remember there was a shoe shop on the high street where I lived. And do you remember the old, um, the, the, the foot measuring machines that come oh, in yeah. sides? Yeah, yeah. So I was convinced, I'm five years old and I'm an idiot, like, so I was convinced that this thing was going to crush my foot. So I'm crying, I'm crying my eyes out thinking <laughs> my foot's going to get crushed. So then next door to the, the shoe shop, there's a news agent. And I think my dad just ran in just looking for anything to, to, to pick up just to stop me crying. And he could have come back with a bag of sweets or anything, but he just randomly picked up a comic and instantly stopped crying. I remember vividly just flicking through this thing. I don't think I could particularly read very well at that age. 
But honestly, no. it just it, it was instantaneous. I stopped crying, wasn't interested. Obviously, it came out of the pretty shoe shop with a pair of sandals. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a, a, an issue of Spider Man with um, Stiltman from the Roger Stern run, I think it was. But right, okay. Back in the day, like the, the, do you remember the UK comics? They'd split a story in half, wouldn't they? Okay. So I can, yeah, they'd never sort of, um, they'd have two strips run per issue. So you get maybe the first half of the story and then second half of yeah, the character. Yeah. So it's, I a good, it's, a, it's a good selling um, plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's it sort of, um, it was good in a way because it, it sort of, I came, I'm coming halfway through the story. So it was reprinting Amazing Spider Man 237, which isn't, right. I don't think by anyone's definition is a, a great, but um, yeah, it's got Spider-Man versus Stiltman, so you're never going to get a, a great comic with Stiltman. But for me, at five, it just oh, it just blew me away because there's a bit at the end of it where Spider-Man jumps in front of a, a laser beam that's going to kill Stiltman, knocks himself out cold, and then there's a there's a panel with Stiltman is about to crush Spidey's head. Because uh, he's unconscious, and then he, he thinks better of it and thinks, "No, you saved my life. Now I'm going to save yours." And then Stiltman drops Spidey out in the, to the police and just sort of stretches off with those massive legs of his into the distance. And it was proper Shakespearean stuff to a five-year-old. It was, it was, <laughs> it was man. you know, you know that first kind. You, you you think, "Oh God, Spider-Man could die," and you sort of you just yeah. come into it, and this Very guy good. crawling on walls just blew my mind. And then not oh, yeah. long after, the cartoon started popping up on telly, but that was the first comic, and just right. straight away, the colours, the feel of the paper, the smell, I don't know, man, I was just, I was in, and I've been ever since, you know. But that that was the first comic that blew me away properly. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, and so, obviously, you've been in love with comics since, and had a passion yeah. for them. Um, but where where did it all start in terms of writing comics um i've always i've always been writing but i never because i can't draw very well as anyone who's read the guys i drew six issues of it the comic called the guys which i thought was really well written i was happy with the way i'd written it but my, my drawings are pretty ropey and i thought because i've always always loved comics it felt a bit too close to right. um I felt too much passion almost, so I thought I'd better write books. So I wrote a novel <clears> or two along the way. And just, okay. I don't know, it was, it's always been comics. Mm. And then my daughter came along. My daughter turned seven yesterday, actually. Oh, happy birthday. And, um, <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, mate. And it was, it was like a midlife crisis hit. Um, right. And I was 35 at the time and just thought, right, you're not going out anywhere anymore you're in, and I bought a graphics tablet anyway to sort of, um, for my job, for my day job, because I had to learn Photoshop, and the two right. just came together. I'd, I'd written the script for the guys years ago, but never had anyone to draw it, so I just sort of got stuck into it mm. as a sort of semi-midlife crisis, thinking, look, it's always <laughs> been comics, so it's either now or never. And uh, it's been a, a roller coaster ever since. Fantastic, man. I mean, I mean, it's it's just it's such a great thing to be part of, um, particularly just the indie comic scene in in the UK, because uh, everybody yeah. is so friendly and kind of encouraging, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And then you you get moments you're at a con, and you can't believe people are coming to your table saying, "Have you got the next issue of the comic?" Yeah. Or you sit next. I proper. I I try real hard to control, like. I try not to fanboy out when I see a writer or an artist that you, you, you've loved down the years. You try and play it cool. And like I remember, my very first con was at Nice, the, the right, Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, no, not Nice. Ice. It, it, Birmingham. It, uh, ice, right? Yeah. Yeah, and um, I was rolling up with a trolley full of my first comics that I produced. I needn't have bought a trolley really because I sold it like one, I think. But I remember, like, really excitedly coming to a con. And I got into the um, lift with this bloody trolley. And John Wagner, who's somebody, you know, somebody who's writing I've loved for years, he, he yeah. held the door open 
Mm. And I thought, this is wow. it. And this is the old guard making way for the for the new guard. And it, it turns out he was just like holding the lift door open for me. But, <laughs> you know, you, you try not to sort of... To me, it's like they're Hollywood stars, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Try and be cool. But, yeah, just... As you say, the scene's amazing. I met loads of different people mm. at cons. It's just, you read so many more indie books. I Well, I do now anyway, more than mm. I do mainstream, definitely. 100%, man. Um, and, uh, no, yeah, it's just a pleasure to be part of it. It's, it's almost like, uh, for those of us that have got full-time, like, regular jobs, um and kind of do this as like a nice little hobby really it's it's one of the best hobbies that kind of gives back to you in terms of all of that oh yeah what's that what's that kirby quote that comics will break your heart but honestly man <laughs> just the, the sort of it's like i i would say it's like an addiction now just, just sort of writing and particularly now i'm working with i do stuff i love it's like it's that creative buzz you get is you know you, you're not getting that in your day job eh? Nah, nah, not at all, man. That's it. Now, uh, moving on to our next question, your your robot master asks, what's the funniest or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most? Uh, this this was a tricky one for me because I don't it's I don't really laugh that much. It, <laughs> it, that makes, I find a lot of stuff funny, sure. but I'm not much of a a laugher. Um, and particularly books and things like that. I like a lot of sitcoms. I like a big fan of stand-up comedy, but comics don't really do it for me because I don't know the delivery of that that line of dialogue is dependent on you delivering it in your head. If you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So this this is a tricky category for me. A couple of runners-up I had honourable mentions go to Gru the Wanderer. I quite like growing up. Do you remember that? That Gru. Gru, no. It's like a sort of cartoon rip-off of Conan. Okay. But Sergio Aragonas drew it, and, you know, the guy from Mad. Um, yeah. I, I found that quite funny as a kid, but, again, more amusing than funny. Um, mm. Dion and Quinch from 2000 AD, yeah. I just absolutely loved growing up. I thought that was genuinely funny. You know, the, the lines helped beautifully by Alan Davis's artwork. I found that super funny. But what I've gone for... And I owned an art about this because Deadpool for me now is a bit it's a bit too much. And I was there for New Mutants ninety eight and I was there when he appeared in X Force Two. And I, I was a huge Deadpool fan right from the start. I loved the circle chase. Remember that limited series he was in? So back right. from back in the day, I was a big Deadpool fan. And to me now it's like it's almost you know, you can't say you're a Deadpool fan because everyone goes, Yeah, I am as well. Yeah, you yeah. can't go to a con without bumping into like 50 Deadpool fans and, you know, <laughs> just think, okay. But long story short, I've gone for the funniest comic guy, I think, is Joe Kelly's run on Deadpool. Right. when he first got his um, series, 97, I think it was. But the dialogue in that, that's pure, to my mind, that is Deadpool, the character. He's really sarky. Um, a lot of pop culture references, a lot of... It's almost it's it's not meta because another character got a bit too meta for my liking a bit later on. Oh, okay. that, that is really funny. Um, that entire run, Joe Kelly's run on Deadpool, is just phenomenal because it, it, there's, there's so many dark moments in there as well. But when it's mm. funny, it's genuinely funny. And if you've ever read, have you ever read Deadpool number eleven? He, no. he goes back. He, he sort of Forrest Gumps. So Deadpool from the present goes back in time uh, right. and pretends to be Peter Parker from like Amazing Spider-Man 47 or something, like <laughs> back in the Stanley John Romita days. Right. Um, and it's really clever. It sort of transposes himself into that and he's, he takes the piss out of Norman Osborn's haircut. And it's <laughs> just really sort of, it's, it's so clever, but it's genuinely, genuinely funny. I think I'd, I'd advise anyone, if you haven't read Deadpool 11, just read that. It's, a, it's a, just a classic book on its own. But that whole that whole run helped, you know, Ed McGuinness's artwork is just beautiful anyway. But I don't know, I, I just, I remember reading that and thinking, this is Deadpool, this is funny, funny yeah. stuff. I can get on board with this. So that's totally. my choice for my robotic masters. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it was kind of groundbreaking at the time a little bit. 
Um, there had, of course, kind of been kind of fourth wall breaking uh, comics before that, I think. But this like just took it to a whole other level, I think, didn't it? Yeah, but as a, this is uh, in Joe Kelly's run, there was no. Um, I don't think so, and I don't think there was any fourth wall breaking. There was no sort of knowing weeks to the reader. Okay. It was all very. Um, it was. I think that, like I said, Deadpool has become that now, and there's, there's right. sort of meta gags left, right, and centre on it. But back then, it was just the dialogue. Joe Kelly's dialogue was really uh, sharp and um, current, and there was a lot of pop culture references. Like I say, it was just mm-hmm. I don't know. As I say, comics don't tend to make me laugh. I don't really go for humour comics as such, but that in particular, I thought was just absolutely spot on. On point. Awesome, man. Uh, now, uh, the next question that comes up uh, is, what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read? I think this, again, this was quite a hard pick because yeah. it's going to make me sound like a, a sociopath or something, but I don't really... <laughs> um, I don't cry. I'm at it, I don't laugh and I don't cry. I, I'm a happy guy. Absolute stone say, rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm just a, a slab of concrete. Um, yeah, so I, my backup choice was The End of Preacher. Yeah. Because nothing nothing upsets me, nothing makes me cry as much as seeing another bloke cry because you've got that whole, yeah. oh, you keep it in, men, men aren't supposed to cry, that sort of ridiculous macho stuff. Yeah. Um, so anytime I see a bloke crying, really, really gets me. So that bit where Jesse rides up to Tulip at the end of Preacher on the horse and he starts crying and she looks at him and says, you've never cried before. And, you know, that, that yeah. really got me. But my choice is um, The Incredible Hulk 377, which if you've ever read our, Peter David's entire run on that was just phenomenal to my mind. That, 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 taking it from the Grey Hulk days, what a run. The Dale Keown stuff into the Gary Frank. Oh, oh God. Incredible Hulk was like top of my reading pile back in those days. But there's a bit, I think in Incredible Hulk 377, it all takes place in Banner's mind. Yeah. And uh, the Green Hulk, the, the sort of stupid Green Hulk is in there. The Grey Hulk is in there. And it's really quite a, a dark issue, really, because we figure out that Bruce Banner's dad had been um, beating his mum up and... Um, Bruce felt that he was guilty for his mum dying. And it's it's a really, I advise anyone to go and get it, Incredible Hulk 377. But basically, long story short, at the end of it, um, Bruce in his mind sort of comes to terms with what's happened with his dad. And the mum appears in his mind and sort of just puts a hand on the Grey Hulk and the Green Hulk's face and they're both crying. And just that panel of like the Hulk crying and his mum saying, it's okay, it's, it's all right, don't worry about it anymore. Really got me. And it's, it's, yeah. that panel's always stuck in my mind because it's the Hulk and you just don't associate the Hulk with, with crying. And I'd never seen Banner's mum before. And it was just, I don't know, and it was just a really emotional issue for me. And it just proper affected me when I was, I must have been about 12 or something reading it, I don't know. But uh, wow. yeah, just for me, nothing gets me more than blokes crying because it's sort of yeah. it's like oh it's okay because that guy's crying so you can get upset yeah. as well do you know what I mean yeah exactly. toxic masculinity man yeah no it is um it's all part of that but like seeing another man cry can kind of yeah as you say kind of I, I guess open the tap um in terms of oh yeah, yeah it is okay to cry as a bloke <laughs> um yeah, absolutely. yeah and uh no yeah that's that's uh very poignant and um the like seeing the incredible hulk cry is obviously <laughs> if that doesn't set you up yeah. <laughs> in some yeah, way like of any character who's yeah. being a parker shedding a tea like yeah you're a sensitive yeah. soul anyway people, all the time with the hulk shedding a tea it was like hang on a minute this is but yeah it was just you know and it's like superhero fights month after month and then this was just a little bit i don't know, I don't know it just it just really got me very emotional Definitely, they they do know how to do it sometimes, don't they? Um, kind of build up to something like that, and then like, yeah, no, it's uh, it's very good storytelling. Now, uh, the the next question that comes up, 
uh, is what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read? Um, I was think when when you say sort of horrifying and scary, I was gonna go with Crossed, um, the original series that Garth Ennis started off. You yeah. read any of that stuff? I hadn't read it. I haven't read it. No, I've, I, I think it's come up maybe once or twice on the show, um, but right. but it, it hasn't got onto my uh, my reading pile just yet. Yeah, because again, I'm not somebody. I, you know, you watch. I'm not fussed by horror films. I don't. It's not no. a genre that I particularly enjoy necessarily. I no. did watch Nightmare on Elm Street when I was about eight and couldn't sleep for about a year after that. <laughs> right, but yeah. then. It, I was going to go with Cross because it is really dark. I mean, it's it, it's mm. it's difficult to imagine anything being much more graphic than that. Um, but the the comic I picked because nothing scares you more than when you're a kid. Was um, I got? I, I'd always read since that sort of Spider-Man comic in the in the shoe shop. All through my, my sort of early years, just reading superhero comics and Marvel comics, and then I don't know how or why, but I picked up an issue of uh, the old 2018 monthly. It was just amazing because they were like they'd, they'd collect um, storylines, so they were almost like you know mini graphic novels. Right. And this particular one, 2018 monthly number 12, it um, the start of it had a Sam Slade story, which was all well and good, and I enjoyed that. But then in the back of it was the you know the, the Dark Judges saga, the right. Judge Dread story with. Uh, death coming back and the, the, the other three dark judges and the Brian Bolland artwork on that just blew me away anyway because I, as I say it's just sort of colourful superheroes up to that point and then this stuff was just really dark and I was yeah. I'd have been nine years old reading that oh my and god <laughs> it, it was just sort of it's it's not it's not too um, scary necessarily but it, it just it marked a shift in me on my reading patterns of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, the, the video nasties back in the 80s, you'd always pick up the video and have a look at the cover. And this was just, I didn't drop Marvel at that time, but I went all in on 2018 and I just started getting mm-hmm. a little bit more mature in my reading taste. And it was it was pretty scary because just fires burning people and mortars is touching people and they're just sure, man. crumbling to dust. Some pretty hardcore imagery. Just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, ably helped by Bolland's artwork. But you've got images of Judge Death sticking his hand through people's chest. And I think what got me more than anything was in that story, the the dark judges put like a, a force field or something around a, one of the apartment blocks. And it was just the fact that the people couldn't get out of the building. And the dark judges were just working their way down just leisurely just killing people and there's like a, <laughs> a party in one scene and right. everyone's just having drinks and the, the dark judges just appear and it's just mayhem and there's nobody you know i mean judge Dredd obviously does by the end but there's nobody to help them and it was just that thought of just being stuck because where i lived there was quite a few blocks of flats and it, it made right. me project like what if you're on the top floor of that flat yeah. and you just can't get out and these four monsters are just putting their hand in your chest. So I think as a nine-year-old, that's got to that's go down. That's pretty scary, scary, man. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And it's, it's clearly stuck with you as well, what it sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can, I can, every page, I reckon, I could, uh, I could draw by memory, yeah. Brutal man. Uh, now uh, your 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 robot overlord is really interested now, um, and uh, yeah, totally. And uh, his his next question um, is: What is your favourite cover? Well, it's going to be um, Amazing Spider-Man two three seven because they say you never forget your first, and yeah. I'm I'm literally looking at a copy of it now. And it still takes me back to that shoe shop. It takes me back to where it all started. And it was just, it's its a great cover, really. As I say, Stiltman is not, I mean, I don't know what list he, he is as a villain, but he's certainly not A, B or C. He's like right down there. But yeah. <laughs> his cover is, I think it's, I, I thought for years it was Bob Hall, who's a guy who drew the interiors, but I think it's a John Romita Jr. cover. Okay. 
Um, and it's basically Stiltman has got an unconscious spider in his arms, and he's he's got these ridiculous stilt legs. He's God yeah. knows how high he is. If you look at the cover, he's like way above, you know, the, the, the Manhattan is tiny below him. And he's shooting a gun, and it, the gun is shooting through the, the Spider-Man logo, shattering the letters everywhere, which is an effect I've always liked. And I, I don't know, it's just a really dynamic cover. But again, it's so evocative. I mean, I, every time I look at it, it's just I'm right back there. You get that buzz of, of just discovering the drug that would sort of shape your entire life. And that cover for me, you know, the, the good guy is just unconscious on the cover. Stiltman mm. smiling and he's oh god man it just does it for me yeah plus it's yellows reds and blues it's it's really primary vivid colours oh, just the it. sort of I don't know man the, the what you call it the the layout of it you know the perspective love it super absolutely cool. nailed it you know yeah totally and as you I mean it is really good because the the gun is like really close to the reader's perspective and obviously then you've got yeah, Manhattan yeah. below and also the fact that you've got to put perspective on stilt man's legs and things like yeah. that because you're kind of looking down onto onto Manhattan as well yeah, um, yeah so that, that makes it even more complicated yeah super and these yeah, tiny man. little cars like little dots oh man I just love it yeah and, and I mean Spider-Man's limp as well and, yeah. and trying to draw somebody being limp must be so difficult I mean yeah uh, just, I can't imagine kind of, you know, trying to get that that across to a reader that yeah, you know yeah. you, you're, you're making them limp. I mean, it's, it's out, yeah. it is outstanding. It's great. Yeah, I've, I've just, I've always loved it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, man. I mean, I'd, I'd love to find find out more about Stiltman, really, um, and kind of his backstory. <laughs> do, do, do you know his backstory? <laughs> He's just a guy with some stilts. That's all you need to know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that much about him. He was my sort of gateway drug into, into comics. But I think, as I understand it, he just invented these um, elongated stilts. And that's yeah, about as complicated as stilt man gets. Yeah, he's just got really long legs. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. And you can imagine when he's invented these things, he's, he's, how long did it really take him to come up with that name? Yeah, exactly. He he kind of stopped to the first try, didn't he? Like he yeah, just didn't go yeah, beyond that. He, he came up with one who was like, "Ah, that'll do." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tells what you need to know, don't it? Hundred percent. No, that's uh, that's great. That's a fantastic pick there, Richard. And it's it, it's great to kind of hear that emotional connection with it as well, and the fact that it can kind of take you back to when you were a kid and. You know, the yeah. first falling in love with comics. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, I, think, I, yeah, I, I think there's... Go on. No, I was just going to say, have you have you got the original still? I've got... Yeah, I've got... I bought um, two, three, Amazing Spider-Man 237 anyway, but I have still got that original um, issue from when I was five that's tucked up in, up in my mum and dad's attic. But I think if... Their house was burning. That's probably the one that would come with me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you grab that for sure. In fact, if I'm honest, I'd rather my house burn down than my parents because that's yeah. pretty much where most of my comics are. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go, mate. It's fantastic. Into their home insurance. <laughs> now, uh, the, the next question uh, that comes up is uh, what is the most meaningful comic to you? Okay, again, good questions, man. Because this this was this was a tricky one. Because meaningful, you know, with emotional connections that maybe um, members of my family aren't with us anymore. For you sort of when you see that comic, you see that person. So, but I, I, that's what meaningful to mean. The comic sort of and there's quite a few honorable mentions really because mm. um when i went to i went to university and I, I was a big comics fan marvel all my life never been into dc necessarily mm. and then i hit 2008 in my teens and then i went to uni so 18 years old 
and then friends of friends went back to this um, house party and we were all sat in this guy's room um, and we were all having drinks and doing whatever, you know, stuff that students do. And mm -hmm. he had some pictures up on the wall of 2008 comics. Um, and I was saying, oh, that's an Ian Gibson, that's Seth Greer, that's Steve Dillon. And we were like, oh, my God, you know it as well. So he found out, oh, like, a good guy called John, I'm still friends with him now. Right. And he um, he just gave me, like, a comics awakening. A lot of people go to uni for, for different kinds of awakenings. But he, mm -hmm. he basically said, oh, you like comics? Like, yeah. He, he gave me um, Preacher. He gave right. me uh, Watchmen, Dark Knight, Cerebus. He gave me Mouse. He gave me like proper, because um, he knew his comics and I was just like, well, I just like Marvel. So he just gave me this handful of comics to read, all graphic novels. And I was like, oh, I don't know, mate, I mean, it's DC, I'm not into Batman. He was like, yeah, but this is Dark Knight Returns. Just read it, trust me. So I came away from the house and he gave me a load of these comics. I don't think I went to uni for like two weeks. I just sat in bed smoking, <laughs> watching, just reading these comics. Yeah. And it was like a proper like a, an awakening, you know, to the fact that, yes, you like Marvel comics, but guess what? You just like comics. And it was just, oh, God, mind-blowing. So the runner for me, most meaningful from that time, Preacher stood out, definitely, because I'd always been a fan of Steve Dillon stuff anyway. Uh, yeah. And Garth Ennis is, is, is now, I would say, he's my favourite writer. And, and Preacher just really... Even when you're putting it in a pile of like the classics, Watchmen and all the rest of it, preaching mm -hmm. just jumped out of me. And it was, it just took me back to being at uni, having fun, just having time in your hands to just read comics and just sit in bed smoking Embassy Number Ones. And oh, God, <laughs> glory days, <laughs> glory <laughs> days. But Preacher is my backup, so I haven't gone with that. The, the most meaningful comments to me, I've gone for. Um, Secret Wars, because when I was a kid again, and I think everything's tied back to that that joy of being young and discovering these things for the first time. Um, I don't know if you remember, but they, they they used to have a weekly British reprint of the the twelve issue Secret Wars series. Okay. And oh god, it just the, the storyline. I think, as I understand it, there's quite a few haters of. The, the the Secret Wars, some people not fan of it or think it's a bit cheesy or whatever, I don't know. But okay. to my mind, the story still hangs up, it still stands up. It's like yeah. take all your A-list heroes and all your A-list villains, stick them on a sort of arbitrary planet, you know, the beyonder, all the rest of it. But basically just have a sort of twelve issue rook. And Mike Zek on art was just beautiful. But again, you've got all these Marvel characters, and that's just Reading that just opened up that Marvel sandpit where up until then I've been a fan of Spider-Man, but then it's amazing how many of these different characters, Jim Shooter, he wrote it, every character seems to have their own sort of standout moment, do you know what I mean? It's just, right. it just amazing. And to me, like every single panel of that is just ingrained totally. And I've always loved comics, but I think with The Secret Wars... It, that's when it, I, I think I went from enjoying it to wait on a Saturday for my dad to go down the news agents. That was like, that's all I was, my week was just based around getting the latest issue of Secret Wars. And I just totally loved it. It still do. So I think meaningful, that, that was the most meaningful comic to me, I think. Fantastic. And it kind of sounds like it really solidified your love of comics. <laughs> Yeah, it did, and it, I, I, as I say, I was into them up until then. I was enjoying them, and I thought they were amazing. But that that secret was just took it to the next level, and it sort of hasn't let up since. But yeah, I think it's a phenomenal piece of work, to be honest. You know, it's a, a lot of people say oh, it's a bit of a cash grab because they, they, you know, tied the toy line into it. But Mike's ex art is beautiful. The, the yeah. amount of amazing moments in the whole series is just there's too many to list to be honest it's amazing but yeah if you haven't read Secret Wars I think most people have by now but I don't know for me it was just that was my that was my childhood definitely 
Um, and that, that that's potentially uh, what's going to be next in the MCU as well, I believe, isn't it? Is that right? Secret? What? Oh, God. How's that going to work? Well, that, I mean, they, they would, of course, like, change it and things, but that that's the rumour anyway. Um, but mm. we'll see. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. go on, Rich. No, it's the... the the films, I like the films and everything, but you know, it's the, it's the purity of the comics for me. Oh, a hundred percent, man. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's great to get back to it and where where it all originated from and and everything. And um, I I just wish that I'd I'd caught that bug like you did when I was a kid because um, yeah. you, you might have heard a couple of times that yeah, I, I only really came into comics. Like as a comic fan, kind of about five-ish years ago, uh, probably just over now. Right. Um, so I'd, I'd only picked up a few things when I was a kid, um, but I'd never come across, yeah, like the all of the Marvel comics, really. I, none of my friend circle were into it, or I never had a a, ch- a chance meeting with a with a comic like that um so i just wish yeah, that i'd, I'd call that bug earlier because uh, then i'd kind of yeah, have yeah. all of this kind of you know nostalgic attachment to it but also just kind of the sheer number of years being able to to read it and particularly as it's coming out as well but yeah and it's like songs you, you know you can look at your collection and it, the, the front cover will take it back to you remember what you were doing when you sure, bought man. that comic, you remember that time. It's, I think there's a bit nostalgia is a bit of a danger with comics, isn't it? Particularly it for people be. who, who have yeah. been into it since they were kids, and yeah. you know, there's the rose tinted glasses of people going bananas when you make changes to your beloved characters. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's tricky. I think it's a shame that when you go to a comic shop, you don't see that people under the age of sixteen kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, back when I was a kid, it was news agents would, would have 20, 30 different titles to choose from, just UK oh, yeah. reprints. But I don't know. I mean, the, 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 the films are obviously massive, but it doesn't seem to be translating to um, nah, people watching the films and then picking up a comic, which I don't get <clears> really. But, yeah. Well, it's tough, I guess, because looking at it from kind of like a... A, a young person's perspective is that you know the the movies are all flashy and amazing um and that's kind of i guess so much sensory input like with the sound the movement and everything and then you know yeah then going to a comic they might feel like well why would i read the comic when i can just watch the film type thing yeah um yeah. and i mean you know of course like as you get older you appreciate look you need to read the original material where it came from and kind of you know have an actual love of the of the medium as well uh but i think the the, the way that we get new comic like new comics to young people is by coming up with new new comics really um I, yeah i mean the, yeah the the MCU films are clearly an example of the fact that you know just because it's a movie doesn't mean that it's going to sell um, sell more comics. Basically, we need to kind yeah. of come up with new new ways, new stories of comics for young people to connect to. I guess. Um, yeah. I so they, so then they right. read like read read the new stuff, like Scott Pilgrim, for instance. You know that was massive, yeah. Um, but yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. No, it's it's all about being accessible, isn't it? Because yeah. I've just got through reading. Um, did you read Jonathan Hickman's stuff on the X books last year? No, he, I haven't. He sort of rebooted X Men. Right. To be honest, they're, it's they're phenomenal comics. I think there's 12, 12, 12 issues he, he did. And for me, as a forty-something-year-old guy. Phenomenal comics, really good, really high concept. Right. But I remember reading them and thinking, man, if I was if I was thirteen, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what I'm looking at. It's a bit yeah. too high concept. Uh-huh. Um, so the X Men characters, you know, everyone everyone knows Wolverine, all the characters and all that kind of stuff. And you sure. know, as a forty year old, I, I don't necessarily want to read a comic aimed at a twelve year old. 
by the same token, I thought if I'd seen an X-Men film, gone to a comic shop and picked the next book I've got, I wouldn't be looking for another issue. It was, it was, you know, yeah. you've got 60 years of bloody continuity and yeah. you've got to look, as you say, like who, who are you actually aiming these books at? And I think you yeah. can get a universal appeal, something like Invincible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Held an appeal, I think, to a 15-year-old as much as it would to a 35-year-old. But I think the big, mm. big two, as you say, man, they don't take risks. It's all a bit safe and it's all a bit, I don't know. Yeah. But then the Hickman book was a risk and as I said, yeah. a 15-year-old would not be reading that, I don't think. Anyway, it's just no. Not really. I mean, as as the big two, you kind of have to, you got to lean into your fan base because you got to sell the comics, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not necessarily about get. I mean, you obviously want new readers to come in and things, but their 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 bread and butter is to you know <laughs> feed their fan base a little bit, I yeah. guess, uh, which is difficult, yeah. isn't it? Um, but you're just worried uh, that a generation of of readers yeah. our age, it's going to yeah. sort of is it going to die out with us if you're not getting yeah in that way um i think i think it's just going to evolve really isn't it um yeah perhaps i mean you know dc and marvel are always going to be there i think they're not going anywhere uh but certainly it, it doesn't mean that they'll become they'll always be the top two perhaps as time goes on you know image will get bigger and bigger and you know other publishers will come through become bigger and bigger and might get a bigger piece of the of the pie maybe i don't know um yeah. so it's all speculation really isn't it <laughs> but um it's, it's, yeah. it's and, and particularly you know, it's, this time I mean, moment, I'll be for the ride, yeah, uh, yeah. But particularly at this yeah, time like where do we go where do we go from here yeah yeah really is it the death of the floppy more yeah maybe and more yeah, just long form just uh, just printing right. trades and everything yeah you know yeah, yeah. um maybe and just kind of like doing doing well. the individual issues like digitally and then just having the the trades printed or i don't know um we'll see yeah i think if, if nothing else i do hope it's the end of that because yeah. some people some writers do try and you know decompress a story sometimes it doesn't stretch the six issues it doesn't have to you know a trade collection could collect six single issues it doesn't have to be a six issue storyline that yeah. doesn't need six issues that's what used to bug me um mm-hmm. but yeah anyway i digress <laughs> yeah yeah no it's all interesting uh all of this stuff and it's going to be interesting yeah, to see yeah. how the how the comic industry evolves especially with diamond and stuff like that because they've ha- obviously had a monopoly for so many decades yeah now. but i th- like uh for instance I, I mean i'm on the alterna uh newsletter and i believe that they, they they've pulled out of diamond now alterna right. and yeah. they're, they're they're going directly to comic shops now themselves and i wonder yeah. if any well, other publishers are going to do that you know they might just go direct to readers. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, as well. Bring time. some more to comic shops altogether. Because yeah. mm-hmm. digital, I don't think, is is necessarily going to take over. Because you have got that no. tactile. No, no, people do want comics. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, if we're doing it with things like Kickstarter, and I noticed the last week or so, a lot of big-name creators have started to head to, to Kickstarter as a, a viable platform. It might be print on demand. You might go straight to customers. Yeah. Um, who knows? But yeah, interesting times. Certainly. Excellent. Uh, now, uh, moving on to our next question. Um, that is, uh, what is the most underrated comic that you've read? Um, quite. There's quite. A, it's tricky with me because I'm quite a mainstream sort of guy, so I don't really know a lot of. Um, the, the more niche comics, but I've mm. just finished reading this week actually. Um, Rick Remender's Seven to Eternity. I'm, I, I haven't really heard much buzz about it, I haven't heard people talking about it, but what a phenomenal comic! There's only been 13 issues, I think, so far, right? But talk about show, not tell. I mean, it's a, it's a sort of fantasy, right? Have you, have you read it? No, no, not at all, but that sounds great oh, if he's no. showing and not telling. <laughs> Yeah, but it, 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 like 
Stargate does the same. There's so much world building, um, right. but it's it's not. There's no clunky exposition. There's no sort yeah. of um, holding the reader's hand through stuff. It's just mm-hmm. these characters are talking about the world and they're, they're saying things, and you just go along with it and you sort of pick up things and you're like, oh, okay, this means that. I don't know. It's just it was a really really good book. I've just finished reading that this week. Um, so I'd recommend that. But my pick for underrated comic goes to um, Major Bummer, which was yeah. a DC comic um, from the late 90s. And it got cancelled. I think it was like 15 issues of it or something. Um, and they have released a trade of it, a, a, a collected edition. But I really, I mean, I say I don't like comedy comics as such, but this was just really funny stuff. It's, uh, a guy gets basically superhuman strength and he's just a slacker. He just doesn't yeah. know there's aliens involved. There's all these weird people from the neighborhood getting powers through, you know, alien technology and stuff. And it's super cheesy. And again, like, like I try and do in my own books, actually, you sort of, you take the tropes of superhero comics and you sort of mess with them. You, you sort of yeah. shine a light on them so you can see how ridiculous they actually are. But, um, it was just a really fun book, uh, but it flew under the radar. It was Doug Mank drew it, and it's beautiful colours, and he does muscly guys anyway. It's a superb book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as I say, there's a, a, a trade collection of that, but everyone I speak to have sort of never heard of it, or if they have, they've never read it. And it's a real shame that it got cancelled, because I think... Um, it was it was a, a good book and it was the only DC book I read at the time and uh, yeah highly recommend major bummer yeah and uh, having having looked at it kind of based on on your choice um, I can I can see a little bit of Mahoney's there for some reason I don't know why do you think that's that's that rings yeah, true at all or <laughs> the guys I think which which was mm. I mean obviously in a book called the guys where five guys get superpowers that they don't want that. Yeah. Maybe subconsciously is, is influenced by Major Bummer, but I just always like that. You know, if you were, if you did have superhero powers, would you necessarily just instantly suit up and fight crime, or would you just be like, hang on a minute? So it's, it's yeah, it's really good. And there's a, a sort of Nazi Tyrannosaurus called Tyrannosaurus Reich. Yeah, I saw that. That's that just yeah. hilarious. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, there's, so there's loads of little lovely little moments <clears> in it. But, uh, yeah, highly, highly recommend that. That's fantastic, mate. Uh, now, we come on to the most difficult question, and that is, for you, what is the best comic of all time? Okay, so I took that question to mean not single issue. So no. I've gone no, no, with... No, just, just which... Particular, I, I picked 2000 AD because, to me, right. I think... If you're looking for different flavours, there's no comic around to beat it. And there's arguments that say the, the glory days of the Praga, you know, back in the 80s, and God knows they were glory days. Some of the stories being produced back in the day were, mm. and still are just phenomenal. But I don't know, man, you, you think it's so many different characters, so many different moments, and... You know, I don't know what prog we're on now. We're probably into two thousands easily by now. I don't get it anymore weekly, but um, I don't know if you if you're if you're looking for a great comic, you think how many creators have come from that, and it's it's an untapped potential. I think you know we've got all these bloody Marvel yeah. films, and yeah. apart from Dread, there's not that well. There's there's hardly any two thousand AD properties that have made it. So I know mm-hmm. Duncan Jones has picked up the, the road trooper and he wants to make a slain, whether he ever will, I don't know. But Strontian okay. Dog, to me, I think is probably my favourite comic character of all time. But like some of the art, some of the artists that have come from the prog, the writers, the stories, the characters, just such a sort of wealth of um, the, the legacy of the prog. It's just phenomenal. You know, yeah. feeding into all the stuff you wouldn't have had Vertigo without it and Alan Moore, Ennis, Grant Morrison, all these people just coming mm-hmm. from the prog. Phenomenal. 
Incredible, and yeah. Again, even if it was Johnny Arthur on his own, 2008 would probably be my favourite comic. But when you add in the sheer weight of everything, one of my favourites, you ever heard um, Harry Twenty on the High Rock? Harry Twenty, no. The story is, is quite... It was only ever one story, and it just ran in the sort of um, mid to late 80s, I guess. I don't know, but it had beautiful Alan Davis artwork and uh, set in the future, this this prison colony spaceship out of space. But, oh, God, it was just one of the best. And, again, I, I, I was getting that 2000 AD monthly. So every month I'd have this big sort of collection, this sort of mini graphic novel to just come through the letterbox from the news agents. Oh my God. So, mm-hmm. so many stories. I can't list them here, but 2008, hands down, best comic of all time. No arguments, I don't think. <laughs> no, not at all. Nobody can argue with that. So yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's an institution as well. And I, I think it's, it's a British institution that isn't properly credited to that, is it? Like by yeah. by the British public, it, you know. No, and it sort of wouldn't want to because it's still got that punk sensibilities. Mm. You know, it's still still sort of outside the comic. You know, if if you know your comics, then you know how good two thousand AD is. What? How many amazing moments it's given us? God, I love it, love it, love it. Incredible. It makes me quite and yet, I don't buy the prog anymore. But, yeah, it's tough, man. Um, but uh, no, yeah, number number of issues it says on Wikipedia, two thousand one hundred and forty so far. So I mean, over two thousand. I mean, what an incredible legacy that is! It's amazing. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. And I, you know, the the UK scene has had its ups and I guess mainly downs, really. But mm-hmm. the prog's still kicking, and you know, I'm with young people are necessarily picking it up i don't know but um yeah. you kind of feel that it's just this undiscovered um aladdin's cave that maybe somebody in hollywood's just going to pick up some of the trades and just be like hang on a minute <laughs> there's so Hang's much here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt oh, no wow. fantastic now uh come on to the last question in regards to comics and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be i mean that's the question isn't it i mean yeah i think a lot of my choices have been from when i was growing up so again heavy on the nostalgia but i've picked um punisher max the garth mm. ennis run on punisher max because I don't think you enjoy comics as an adult in necessarily the same way as you do growing up because you're a bit more jaded. Um, You've sort of seen, you've read thousands of comics and you're like, yeah, yeah. But Punisher Max was just, and it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal piece of work. And I think Ennis, I picked up, um, obviously a big fan of Preacher, so I picked up the original Ennis and Dylan run on the Punisher, and it got a little bit. Um, I think by Ennis's own admission, it got a little bit slapstick, a little bit played for laughs. Um, right. And then I think, as I understand it, post 9 11, Ennis looked at the Punisher and thought, hang on a minute, I can't use a character like this to tell sort of slapstick stories. So it went dark mm. and under yeah. the Max imprint. Have, have you read Punisher Max? No, no, I haven't. It actually came up last week. Or the week before, um, oh, and yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's on my radar. Talking about it. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, again, there's so many moments in it, but again, for a comic, reading it as an adult to hit me as hard as that did was just. I mean, the the the, the main th- interesting thing Ennis does is. Um, you know, a lot of these characters don't evolve down the years, and Punisher's pretty one note anyway. He's just a killer machine, you know. Mm-hmm. He's lost his family and all the rest of it. But in I think it's issue fifty, Barracuda is this really interesting character anyway. Who's you know sort of equal to the Punisher kind of thing. But it turns out Frank Castle's had a, a daughter, and it's not um, a, a, an arbitrary sort of shock value thing. 
because then he spends 50 issues leading up to the fact that Frank's had this daughter. And just the, maybe I read it when I was a new dad as well. Maybe that's why it impacted me. I don't know. But mm. um, to, to do something as interesting as that with a character who's been fueled by the death of his family for, you know, since the 70s, since he was around, to sort of give him back a, 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 a daughter just put such a new spin on Frank. I can't wait for Ennis to, to go back to the character and do something with his daughter. Um, but, I mean, there's that, but there's so many amazing moments in that run that it's it's difficult to pick one. But, no, yeah, I think, you, you know, if, if your man it. last week, I forget his name, sorry, but he recommended Punisher Max, and I'm doing the same. You've just got to read it. I think it's phenomenal. Fantastic. And uh, what? how do you think that would kind of help you um, day after day, um, be, be, being the robot butler? <laughs> um, I don't it'd just keep me sane. There's two massive yeah. omnibus editions collecting the entire run, so I'd, I'd probably just use them as a sort of... Um, you know, I don't know. It just—it's it, just a phenomenal piece of piece of work, really. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, as you say, just just keep you sane. Um, yeah, that's probably the most important thing in that situation. So, yeah, just just because I've given up to the robots, it doesn't mean I have to. Uh, you know, totally give up. Give, give up. up being human. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, excellent. Uh, so, to our final question, and that is, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you? Well, you know, as we were start, I've given up. I've let the robots take over. I'm, I'm happy in my position as fleshy butler. But um, I think if I was if I was looking to join the human resistance, I think the one tool that I would, and it would hands down work, I'd take my wife. And not for <laughs> romantic reasons. It's just whenever she comes in contact with a phone, an iPad, a laptop, it just it, it goes haywire anyway. <laughs> and she's got like I'm I'm convinced she's got some sort of electromagnetic field bio. I don't know, but long right. story short, if your phone is working and you hand it to her, it will just stop. It will just go black. It's the same with anything. It's like Kitty Pride with the Sentinels, man. So if, right. if robots, I, I reckon that, that you know, I could just walk through a crowd of robots and they would just start collapsing all around her. Because literally, whenever <laughs> she touches technology, it will inevitably just just error, error, error. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so she's my uh, secret weapon fantastic can certainly do that for you and so richard carrington thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse absolute pleasure finally i get to talk to somebody about comics yeah it's it can be a long time coming sometimes can't it yeah particularly um, now the comic shops are shut so yeah exactly crazy man and like all the obviously all the conventions are postponed and things like that so yeah gosh speaking of which have you got any events later in the year uh, well, no, not at the minute. I mean, I mm. love Leamington Comic Con. It's usually around October, I think, because you and yeah. I table next week. We did. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, good fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sort of down the road from Leamington, so it's always handy for me to get to. So hopefully, yeah. and then, I don't know, we'll see We'll see what the convention scene comes back. But I'd like to do a few just yeah. when the ball gets rolling, just to sort of... I don't know, just get out there again. Yeah, exactly. Live, yeah. live in the real world. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as yeah. you say, we'll see. Um, fantastic. And uh, where, where can listeners find you online? Uh, again, my Twitter my Twitter handle. Do the cool kids call it a handle? <laughs> That's uh, the one. <laughs> it's uh, at Rich Carty, R-O-C-H-C-A-R-T-Y, 100. And then we're on Facebook, just search Hardline Comics or Mahoney's. And, uh, yeah, get get a lot of the Mahoney's goodness on there. But as I say, a lot, well, all my books, really, are on the Comic House. So have there. a read. Get involved. And uh, do, you, do you have an ETA on, on issue four for Mahoney's? Or? Issue four is um, the inks are finished we're colouring it as we speak um, right. and it's going to be 
an awful lot sooner rather than later because issue three to six are part of a a four-part story. So what we didn't want to do is leave it six, 12 months in between issues. We want to try and build a bit of momentum. And issue three ends on a cliffhanger. So um, (laughs) that'll feed... Yeah, it'll feed nicely into issue four. So should be summer, I would I would tentatively say. Fantastic. Yeah. Great stuff. Certainly look out for that. And uh yeah, everybody uh, make sure that you follow Rich on Twitter and things and um make sure you keep up to date with, with all the Mahoney action. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Fantastic, man. Rich. Well, appreciate your time and uh yeah, hopefully our pars will cross again in Leamington. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. <laughs> Fantastic. Nice Cheers, well, you Sam. take care, mate. You too, mate. ta Thanks. Cheers, mate. Thanks again to Richard for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Richard's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene Magazine's website at comicscene.org for more comic news and lots of other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Take care, stay safe, and bye for now.